welcome to the Virtual Band Director Conference. This is a 24-7 resource for you, band directors all over the world. I'm your host, John Liner. Let's get this party started. Welcome to Episode 1, Part 1 of Cultivating a Culture of Excellence with Corey Graves, Rory Davis, Susan Meyer Patterson, and Chris Bennett. Number one, being really accountable. Number one, yourself as a director and setting up that excellence for your program because you're going to be the center of that if you do really want it to be excellent. Um, having students who are respectful and you're teaching things beyond the music, you're teaching them how to be humans, teaching them how to be responsible and dedicated to their craft. Um, you're teaching them to not only be respectful of each other, but having a love and respect for music as well. Um, and I think once those things are set in place, it kind of just trickles down and takes care of itself. Yeah. What about you, Chris? Um, for me, I, I, I always try to think as, as multiple things that in, in, in our program. Um, you know, I think about first about how I want our kids to act, how I want uh, our kids to be in rehearsal to each other, to the staff members. Um, I want the kids to be set up to where they know how to learn and they, and they know what they want. Um, I want us to be a positive part of the community and in our building. Um, I, you know, I, I work in a, in, a, in a small town, so I want our, our community to know that we're behind our community. Um, so from that standpoint, I want that to be an excellent thing. Uh, looking at the academic side of band, you know, I want to give the kids the best education they can get with the best opportunities that they can get. And for us, we try to do different things with the kids with our proximity to Houston being able to use, um, you know, people from the Houston Symphony, the University of Houston. They're trying to give the kids a, just a world-class education. Um, and then also the adults in the program, myself and my assistants modeling how you're supposed to be good people, how to treat everybody with respect, and just, just groom people to be, you know, really good human beings as they go, um, as, as, as they get older. All right. Finish it off for us, Mr. Davis. What do you think? How does excellence help you? You know, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel here because um, you have some. We have some great people here, and there. Then you're, you're going to find that some of the answers are exactly the same, but but they've hit the nail right on the head. And just to kind of put the icing on the cake, it, it's about sustainability of all the items that they've already already talked about. And so, as you establish these same uh, parameters in each of your programs, the question is. What is sustainable and what isn't? Because the foundation that you lay is what's going to set the path for your future. And one of the things I will say about all of these things that, that they're talking about, um, I have a sideways triangle that I use um, in my model, and it's time. And the, the biggest end of the triangle is, is the amount of time it takes to establish this quote-unquote idea of success. And the more you you move, I know it's crazy, but the more you go in that triangle, it kind of becomes a straight line. You know, it's a system. And, and all of these things that, that they're talking about, the accountability of your students and the way that the, the attitude of your students, the, the musicality of your students, the, the intellectual um, opportunities that you provide your students by, by uh, showing them the way, so to speak, those are the things that are going to have to be sustainable. So you got to make sure you have um, things in your program that are measurable and sustainable. Yeah. And one of the things that I, I want to point out is that not a single one, not a single person said anything about a championship or a trophy or any of that. They're 
qualities and characteristics that they want in their kids. And I think that's super vital for us to point out. Now, the million dollar question is, how do you develop something like this in your program? How do you go from, from nothing or a program in tatters to something where it is excellent? How do you do that? You guys can jump in when, you, when you're ready. I think it's like I was saying when I was speaking earlier, it starts with you, number one, having a vision of what you want to see in your program. But number two, you being a daily source of inspiration for it, because whatever you do, your students are going to do. And there's no, like your students are completely your shadow. So if you are coming to work late every day, then they see no reason to get there early. Or if you're not requiring them to be like, have a pencil, <laughs> and it's something that simple. Having a pencil for class and you using it every day, you don't start screaming on Friday, where's your pencil? You haven't asked for it Monday through Thursday. Why would they have it? So just personal accountability and then sharing that and making sure that's really well expressed within your staff so that they can see that it's just not one person barking about it all the time, but that it's the culture of the band team that's creating that too. Yeah, the word culture, you said culture. I think it's really important. Um, and even the details that Corey talks about, that as simple as having a pencil. You know, yes, now I teach high school, but I've had the privilege of teaching in, if you want to say, in a, I don't know, I taught in Rosebud, Texas, which is like a country town, if you will, a very small town in central Texas, um, taught in inner city Waco. And then I've also moved all the way to Fort Bend ISD in Sugarland and now in Katy. So that I think that that kind of covers the whole gamut. But the one thing that has always been the same with me is like Corey said, being the example for your students, watching the students improve and watching the programs improve, um, not just in performance. Yes, performance is important, but not just in performance, but in their experience in your program. Um. One thing that I would say when you're trying to create a culture and then you're trying to maintain it is try to create it. I personally like being in an environment where I'm around really smart people that are equal stakeholders in the process. And so like, I love being around my, my private lesson staff, my, um, you know, my staff of, of other directors, the high school staff. And so what I want the kids to see is I want them to see how, how much I enjoy creating, you know, um, just a, a, you know, a group of directors that enjoy working with each other. And then I share that vision with the, the junior high staff. I know when I started at Miller six years ago, um, the thing that I started out with was talking to every lesson teacher and not talking so much about like the details of what we're going to teach, but what I wanted long-term for the kids to get out of the program. And we talked to the staff about that. And then I would talk to our students and I, 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 I work really hard to try to get the I would suggest trying to get as many of your kids on board to be the equal stakeholders in the process, because as much as we have to give them information, the students at the end of the day are the ones that produce all, all of the, all the music that we do. And, and we want to empower those students to be able to, to see the vision and to be a part of it. Because if you get those kids excited about what you want and the program that you want and the, 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 the awesome potential of what it could be, then the kids will do a lot of the work for you after you plant those seeds with them. And so I think that that. Did we lose him? Oh, he froze. Oh, no. That was good. 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 He was good preaching, too. He was revving up. He was. Hey. <laughs> well, if, when Chris gets back, I'll, I'll be quiet. So get on back here, Chris. Um, 
I'm, I'm going to tag on to um, how Chris started was that, that phrase, surround yourself with people who inspire you, surround yourself with people who are better than you. Um, and I think that um, as a young teacher, I, I was really uh, eyes open to figure out who those people were and who those programs were. Um, but vision is the top is just to have a vision of where you want to go. Um, and then the patience to know it's not going to happen in one year or two or even three, um, because that, that culture takes time to create and to root. Um, it could be healthy, but not rooted. And then it's, it's not sustainable to tag along with Rory, um, to, and the perseverance to, to, to stay the course and to continue the plan. Um, and to communicate what that plan is to your staff, to your um, department. Um, and then like the look in the mirror that Core keeps saying, like the, the ability to evaluate, assess, and replan and start over again if, if something is not working. Um, and then something I'll tag on to um, is to create a, a leadership system in the program that will then establish accountability among the students, not to the adults, um, which is, um, I think, super, super important. So are you back, Chris? No, I haven't seen Chris come back. Oh, through. Okay. <laughs> he took his oh. money and left. <laughs> <laughs> he got that check and ran, man. That's funny. Hey, uh, I didn't hear about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when, they, when I get my check, I'll send, I'll send you yours. Um, <laughs> So everybody's kind of hit on it at some point or another, uh, but talking about accountability and having something set up to where the accountability is consistent. Um, what are some things or, that you think would be helpful for people to see as far as uh, a system of accountability in your program or that they could implement in their program? You know, I, I know a lot of people do different um, things as far as accountability is concerned. Are we talking about, you know, like, as far as, I don't know, something as simple as an objective sheet or, or a practice record or, or a, a recording? Is that, is that kind of where you're going? It, yeah, it's wide open. Yeah, from, from a, um, a concrete, if you will, accountability, you know, we do objective sheets in our program. And I, will, I know a lot of people have, have problems with that. And usually the problem comes because it's hard to establish and, and – and to get going. And, and I find that a lot of people don't fit, don't use them or can't get through it because of the, the details that it takes and the time that going back to that sideways triangle, the time that it takes to establish a process. Um, you know, at Sinker Ranch High School, oh, this is my third, fourth year there. And, you know, we put in the objective sheet thing. I had been doing it at Sinker Ranch Junior High for years and years. And we put it in at Sinker Ranch High School. And it, it's tough at first because it takes the team. The, the director team has to, be, has to be in agreement. And you have to create those objectives together. And then you have to come up with a system of, of how to keep the kids accountable. If the, if the objective sheet says, hey, it's due this day, then you got to have a plan in place to be able to, to grade it, so to speak, and to be able to drop it in the grade book. And, and in different places, you know, some people may on here may say, well, my kids don't care about the grades. Okay, then don't make it about the grade, make it about the completion, you know, uh, because as you laud them for their completion, other people are going to see that and they're going to buy in because they see that that, that kid's getting better, uh, the next kid's getting better, and eventually 
it's gonna it's gonna take you just have to be willing to stick with it you were talking about like how detail oriented those things are but like i think the best phrase i heard when starting teaching was like the excellence is in the details so if you don't if you don't establish things from the beginning with the end goal in mind i know i say that a lot but it's true if you don't establish those small details to create the excellence it's not going to happen but tagging on to objective sheets, which I think are great because it gives you a chance to see every kid do what they're supposed to do and then you give them a timeline of how they're going to do it and structure it. Your kids are your best system of accountability. If you can get your like your kids on top of the other kids saying like, hey, you know this was due on this day or like section leaders, that is like a blessing from the Lord himself because if you cannot do everything by yourself. And so once you create a sense of ownership with, within your program, whether that be an eighth grader or a seventh grader who's a strong leader and having somebody else always, Hey, we need to get this done. This is a team effort. It's not about you. Those types of things. Then your program just blows up because everyone cares about what they're doing. Not just there's an adult barking at you, telling you what you're supposed to do. And when you have objective sheets, you've got section leaders, you create a rapport that you need in order to be excellent too. Because if the kids feel like they are wanted or they're needed somewhere, then that it takes care of itself. I think those are really important things to include in programs if you don't already have them. Yeah, and just for the record, Chris is back. But Corey, yeah, I'm back. <laughs> Chris said, or uh, Corey said something uh, about establishing accountability from the very beginning. Corey, uh, and I, I know the answer to this, but I just want you to tell folks what does when the kid walks into your band program the very first day, what do you do with them? Like in sixth grade? Yeah. Oh, I'm not militant, I promise. But you can tell like, like my awesome voice here. The, when students like in sixth grade, they're not allowed even to enter the band hall on the first day until they're outside in a line. And it's nothing militant, it's nothing yelling, but I want to know, like, can you follow simple instructions to let you know that the band hall is a place that you need to respect? I mean, we got expensive instruments that nobody wants to pay for. You don't want to pay for a $6,000 tuba. You stay in your little square and wait for me to tell you what we need to do. So, like, we, we talk about, like, how we enter the band hall from day one, and just letting them know that we're going to respect each other and we're going to respect the space that no one else that's not in band can be in. Um, and yeah, you want to start it from day one. Yeah, I think the thing about the excellence thing with the whole program is, is that you have to be consistent in everything you do. In, in your presentation from the day one, like Corey was saying, I, mean, I did the same thing at Rogers where uh, when we have our sixth graders come the very first day, they line up outside of our classroom door. And we, they get into our routine of giving them, like we give them daily instructions and they come in a certain way and it's very much the same way. And it's just consistent because everything, because I want them to know that when they come to the band hall, that this is different than their English class. And this is different than their math class. And it's not that it's, it's not that it's like, like, you know, it's not militant or anything. It's just, we have to be super organized because we have lots more people that we have to work with. And we want them to understand that this is a special, a special thing. You know, music is the only thing that that takes place in time and space. And so, if we waste any time, you know, we, we don't get that time back to help them, and they can't create that music again. And so, uh, I think consistency from the beginning. Um, and I'm, I'm sorry, I kind of popped back in after I fixed my internet. Um, and I think I think sharing, you know, like a good thing about me, uh, with the program being excellent, things like that is, you know, they were talking about objective sheets and things like that, and I, and I totally agree with that, but also making sure that the kids 
are a part of the plan. Um, you know, I, I, you know, with the, the older bands, I'll always give them things that uh, I'll, I'll give them a plan of the whole month that we're in. And, and it's what we're covering every rehearsal and what we need to have. And there's an expectation from the very beginning that when you walk in the band that day, this is what we're going to cover. And if it's not ready to go, then that's a problem. Like I, I'm not, that's just the expectation. Like they have to come in prepared for the class and that, and I give them that information. And so I think just finding ways to be consistent the entire time from the very first time you see them, you know, all the way into performing bands and into high school, you know, that, that will help their, that will help the program. Yeah. A, a lot of our conversation is circled around holding the kids to a standard, holding the kids accountable, but how do you hold yourself and how do you hold your staff to a, a, a certain level of accountability of excellence for your program? If I can, John, you know, I, I think that is, it, it is really by example. Um, and, you know, the caring part, and I, this, this is hard for some people because, you know, band moves so fast and, and, you know, we have this, this goal in mind. And usually the goal is what I hear the piece of music, you know, before we actually touch it. And, and there's so much more to it than just the, teaching of the music. And as far as staff is concerned, they will follow what you do. One of the things I was thinking about through this process is that, you know, a lot of young teachers are on here and they are not all going to get to go teach at the world's greatest place on the planet. You know, I, I had visions of grandeur when I graduated college and my first job was in Rosebud, Texas. God bless Rosebud. Cause I learned a lot in Rosebud. It was great, but it wasn't what I thought I was going to be doing. You know, I just knew I was going to jump out into a back then 5A situation, but it, it didn't happen. Um, but here's my point. Your staff is going to follow along with you if you show them that you care about them and that you have their growth uh, in, in mind, that, that it's not all about you, that you're not the end all be all of everything that, that you really care about those people around you and that you really care about their growth and you want them to learn also, and that you can create an opportunity for them to learn, whether that be giving them an opportunity to leave one day and, and to go watch someone else. Um, one of my first job, well, when I first got to Houston at first calling middle school with Beth and Adams, one of the things she set up was multiple days for me to be able to go watch different teachers that she knew around the area and to go sit an entire day to learn from some of the best band directors out there that were around the Houston area in the early nineties. And there was a lot. And it was really cool because I didn't know them and I didn't really know of them. And so she's like, Hey, why don't you go and see this person? And it was great. Turned out that some of those people are lifelong friends. And, it, and so that helps with your staff as well. I, I think that com the establishment of common goals and common vocabulary um, is super important. And it, and two to that, a lot of young teachers, and I hope, I think there's a lot of um, student teachers and college um, students on this, that you, you may not find that in your first job. You, 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 you probably won't. You, I hope you do, but you may not find that in, in your first job. And that's okay because you'll learn from that. In, in terms of what you really hope the ideal staff is, and then even when you become a head director, but um, the establishing of, of goals together um, and the, you know, as head director, the willingness to realize that your idea wasn't the best idea. That's, that's totally um, 
okay. Um, but then the accountability too for to each other has got to become a um, has got to become just an inter- interwoven in in the daily activity. Um, so I'm going to go. I'm going to jump back to that other question too, since um, uh, since I'm talking right now um, about. Um, keeping at how do you hold everybody accountable? And I didn't, I think I heard, but having systems in place. Um, I, I love systems and I love procedures and I'm always eager to learn. There, there's like a title of that y'all in the business world, uh, systems people and procedural experts. And I, I think that's pretty cool, but because we're masters at that, if we don't have systems in place. Um, and so the, the leadership among um, the staff and the kids to recognize those things and to hold those things up. Um, and uh, that, and then that accountability just becomes normal. Um, and I think too, it's just the, the, the openness of discussing and talking um, when, when staff doesn't agree on goals and common vocabulary, the kids are going to know it in a second. Um, and so even if you have to fake it, you have to fake that. Um, because they 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 will not come to work if you're not coming to work. Yeah, and he wants to. Yeah, I was going to say, so in, in, you know, to kind of talk about this question about setting up something for me to be accountable for myself. Like, I mean, it's it, it's the head director's job at any school to be the one that kind of steers the ship. But I also think that it's also their job to be able to cultivate that kind of trust between staff. And students. Um, I mean, I know for me, I, I want to surround myself around people that I trust and people that um, people that are, uh, um, you know, great musicians and love kids and will and won't hesitate to tell me, Chris, that's not a good idea. Don't do that. Like, stop that right now. Like, I, I've had some great assistants that have looked at me and square in the eye and go, Chris, you don't want to do that. That's not going to work. And, and I feel comfortable doing that because like, you know, I, I, I feel like that for me, you know, I'm looking at the overall picture, but sometimes, you know, when you, you have assistants that uh, are able to see like a, a, from a different angle, you know, they share that with you and that, that trust goes both ways because then, you know, they, they, they take a chance by, by saying that to you. And then if you react the right way, then you, you, know, you cultivate more trust with them. And then it's this, this awesome thing that comes up and then they'll just say whatever you want to say. Um, so I think that cultivating that, you know, first of all, like, you know, I have to be accountable that I, I have to be excited to come to work. I need to have goals for the program. And then, and then but the thing that I love to do is talk to our staff. Once I kind of have some ideas about well, what do y'all think we should do and where should we go next? And that's always fun for me is to get to get their ideas because, um, you know, cause, cause it's just, it's just more fun being a part of a, a program and a group of people that are all wanting the same thing together. Um, and even getting the kids to come to me and go, like, I have no problem telling the kids, and I've told them before, like, if I don't do something right, or if I skip a step, or if I did something wrong, I, I want you to come tell me. And I've had kids that have come up and told me later after band rehearsal, uh, Mr. Bennett, um, we didn't do that today. We should have done that today. <laughs> and and there's nothing wrong with that. Or, or like, or like if, if, if I've been told, if we've had a clinician out and I've been told specifically to do something and I skip that step, and I, I, the kids can raise their hand and go, we need to do this. You know, this is what so-and-so said. So um, I think trying to get everybody to where you take down as many of those walls of them feeling uneasy um, because maybe, you know, while, while you do have to have that, you know, student-teacher relationship, of course, you also want to be comfortable enough to where, like, 
a kid can look at you and go, hey, you know, I, why don't we try it like this? Or I really think this is a good idea. Because then you just start a whole new conversation with them. And the kids start doing it because they love to do it versus because they have to do it. The intrinsic motivation versus the extrinsic motivation. And heck, we're in each other's homes now. So we have to have, we have to have that trust on there. My gosh, we're in each other's houses. And, and that, that kind of comes with its own fun too, but. Hopefully we won't be staying here. We'll be able to go back to doing band. (laughs) Please. You know, and we, no one's really touched on this yet, but like, as far as, you know, having a good rapport with your staff and your administration and like things like that, I think it's important that you have a mentor that's going to hold you accountable too. Um, and I think the earlier you do it, the better. And this is like, aside from, Oh, I'm going to send somebody my tape two weeks before UIL. So they can give me some like, number one, you ain't going to get none done. <laughs> Cause it was done is done by that point. But I think it's important to have someone to see where the start of the program is and where the end of the program is. And you can talk about goals about how to get them there. There's so many people who have already been through the process and if you can align yourself with someone who has similar ideals, um, that is so beneficial. And they're, they're unbiased. Like, what stake do they have in it? And so if they can give you an unbiased opinion about what they see, or you said you were going to do this by this time, I don't see this happening, let's talk about it, then that is completely invaluable. Right, and, and, and to hop on what Corey was saying, I, absolutely, I, I agree with you 100%. Like, whoever you, you know, find someone that you trust to listen to your band and help you, but also, like, set up, set up time in the summer before school starts and at the end to debrief and see where you were. Because I know I, I, I've learned the most about my teaching and about what we can do when I sit down with our, you know, our, our, the, the people that work with our school and go, okay, I, uh, you know, this is what we want to achieve this year. And then we come up with a plan. And then at the end of the year, we sit there and reflect and go, did we do it or not? If we didn't, why couldn't we do it? If we did, what's the next step? And so I think that's really good to, you know, to, to kind of give up that kind of, that kind of, you know, to give that trust to somebody to absolutely help yourself. I think that's absolutely right. You know, I think it's important that we understand that looking at all the people answering the, where you're from, we have, we run the gamut of, you know, band programs and the, the, the makeup from, like John said earlier, from the, the, the small district, one band director, even large district, one band director to urban to, to wherever. So I think as we answer these questions, I think it's, we just want y'all to know that we're not saying that it's always one size fits all because, you know, um, myself and Susan, you know, I'll throw us out here as the ones who've been doing this, you know, for almost 30 years, you know, <laughs> and uh, 30. yeah, 30 for her, <laughs> almost 30 for me. No rounding, please. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it is important that, that the people okay. you work with, if you don't have a mentor or someone that you can talk to about what you're doing, that would be something that you, you could definitely um, do a- after this call. You know, I'll throw myself out there, you know, cause that's the other thing I do. You know, that's one of the things God put me on this planet to do is, is to be a mentor to people and to guide people. So, you know, it's, it is so awesome to have someone that can help you with your craft and then even with your life. You know, because mm-hmm. band can beat you up. 
And coming from someone who's taught 30 years, it's an amazing time for this. Um, In the in the old days, and a long time ago, Corey, Corey talking about um, send your tape to someone two weeks before. Y'all, that's all we did. It was maybe one week before. Will you come over and listen to my band and help fix us for a contest? That's how it was for a long, long time. And now that we have this, um, I don't know if other states, but in Texas, it's it's a cool thing where we we have mentors and people that we have a, a relationship with throughout the school year, and to help us continue to grow and grow and grow. That's a that's a really neat thing. And so, uh, and and finding that person who you align with and um, and common goals and and methods of communication and like, have you heard their work? Do you want your group to sound like that? If not, don't call that person. If you want your group to sound like that, you're like, how did that call that person? And don't be scared to call somebody who you think, you know, oh, they don't call that person. Definitely call that person. And you have to yeah. do this early. The, 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 the common misconception is that I will invite someone to hear my band after I'm oh. ready for them to hear it. I, I can't tell you. <laughs> yes, I can't tell you how important it is to have someone there before the beginning, in the beginning, if you will, <laughs> because it is that important. Um, because you know what? Honestly, that's that's a pride thing. That that's one thing you'll find out is that it's really you kind of like I really don't want anybody to see this until I'm comfortable with it, and then if someone comes in and they kind of give you something that's not what you think it is, I don't know if you're able to handle that in a lot of cases. But if you have someone there from the beginning, they can see your situation and and they can help you based on your situation, how to navigate with what you have. If you can't afford it, there are avenues and venues out there that can help you um, you know, if you're in, well, not just Texas, but in Texas, the 5AMU Band Director Service Network, you know, free clinic, you know, so there are ways to get people to help you, but you got to search them out, but it's got to be done early. And like, you got to have a growth mindset on that, but you're, you want them to come before it's ready. How are you going to grow if if not? You want, please. Yeah. As a young director myself, I want to encourage everybody out there. Don't be afraid to ask people who you don't know. Don't be afraid to reach out an email, a text, whatever it is to get in contact with somebody. Um, You'll see that the panelists this uh, for tonight, like uh, Susan, I've never met Susan in my life. Chris, I've never met him in person, but I was able to reach out. And it happened this, you know, everything worked out that they could, they could help out here. Um, but you can't be afraid of putting yourself out there, sticking your neck out and, and, and be ready to take some licks, you know, like we said earlier with the ego, ch- check it at the door but, and then you'll be fine. You'll be good. And you guys have kind of been alluding, uh, we've been dancing around this, but how do you, besides hearing somebody, let's say I'm in, you know, New England, how do I fi- find a mentor? How do I how do I select somebody that's right for me? That's a good question. It, it could take, it, it's probably not going to happen instantly. It might happen instantly, but um, you have to, you have to go looking for it. I mean, you have to invite people into your life. You have to invite people in 
uh, into your program, or you may be in a place where it's hard, but now we got Zoom. So <laughs> you know what? I found that for me, it was a really good thing to attend state conferences and any other type of professional development that was who's talking what are you talking about like okay i like what you're saying can would you mind if i emailed you uh would you mind if i got your number and i can call you sometimes and people are way more likely to do that than we give them credit for right and i know we're all very busy and we're at school from oh dark 30 to oh dark 30 i get it but people want to talk to we like to talk band um we want to see who else is out there and who who wants help because if, if you think about it, the people who are really willing to help you are the ones who've been through it before and they remember why they started and they remember where they were and they don't want people to have to go through things that they didn't go through because this is not a right passage. This is an opportunity for you to get better, faster at what you do and because your kids deserve that. They don't. You don't deserve to sit there and struggle. And so, <laughs> oh, and so like to tag on to um, going to your conventions and going to clinics and workshops and stuff, not just, uh, I'm nervous to say this because I, there's a lot of people, but not just in the official capacity, but also outside of the official capacity, sit down and go up to someone and, well, we're not shaking hands anymore, whatever, hello. <laughs> um, and if the group of people is sitting there enjoying a beverage and like, that's okay. Ask questions. I've met so many fun people uh, in that in that situation. What the, I've met so many fun people at the Hyatt Bar because we were sitting there and chatting, and a new person came up, and a new person came up, and a new person came up, and then that's how, that's how you can network to meet the people that will align with what you want to do. It, I mean, the whole thing about not being nervous is is really important. Um. I, 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 just kind of piggyback on this on this topic about finding a mentor. Now, I I would first try to find somebody. You know, try to do your research. Also, you know, you know, like we were saying, it's not going to like a mentor is just not going to fall into your lap. You know, you have to kind of seek out people to help you and invite people in your life. And so, you know, I would urge everybody to you know to go to your state conventions and or just go and look on look at who's doing doing great things and awesome things. And then go and listen to their groups and because you have to also find somebody that you're comfortable with coming in and going, well, okay, well, this is doing really well. What, what is it about this group and what can I do to have my, my kids sound like this? And so, um, you know, do your research too, where you're trying to go, okay, well, they're, they're doing this, these awesome things. And I really want to find out how to do these awesome things. And so, 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 you know, go at it from that way where you're trying to, you know, do your research and know what you're wanting too. And then also, you know, for instance, like, you know, there are different people that are good at different things in, in, in the clinician world and the mentor world. And so, and, and, and so what you have to realize is that not every one of those people may do everything you need them to do. And so you want to make sure that you also find people that can help balance things out um, and things that you need, you know, like for instance, if, if there's a specific skill or things that you're lacking that you want to strengthen on, find people who will help you with that. And then I think the biggest thing I would say is find people who are going to be honest with you, that they're just going to tell you what it is. I mean, like I, 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 I had a, I had a, one of my mentors about six years ago, she looked at me and she gave me some of the best information I've ever gotten. And I owe a lot to her. Um, but I, um, but I appreciated the honesty 
that she gave me because it, it made a lot of difference in things I did after that. And so find people who are going to not just tell you the great things that are happening, but find people who are going to be honest with you and tell you how to make the next step and how to do the next thing. Um, and, uh, and I, I think that'll, that'll be helpful too, as you're trying to find a mentor also. And can I say something, you know, you're absolutely right, Chris, um, is that find that's the word. And in some places people may be, you may not feel like the people you work with are the ones that you want to be your mentor. Unfortunately that happens. So I'm, I'm just being real. Okay. That because relationships are real and, um, that does happen. But I will say this, if, if you're not respectful to the people you work with, it, it's not going to work that way. So as you're finding, make sure you're finding in a respectful way, not disrespecting the people that you work with while you're trying to find someone that you value, you know, you value, um, what, you know, you're, you're finding someone that, that's doing what you want to do and going out, but you, you got to be respectful to the people that you work with as well. Cause you got to go with them every day. Right. And do, do I, I wasn't watching the little scroll. Do we have college students with us? Oh yes. Okay. So, and, and the location of my school is it's ideal, but if you're, um, if you're a college student and, and in fact, there may be some that I've met this way, um, call call someone and ask, can you come observe? Now, I know you have to do that for some of your classes, but um, because of where my school is, I, I get two great universities, um, great schools of music, and I'll, I'll get students. I've never said no, never, exactly. um, unless it was a testing day. Um, right. and, the, and the emails are, can I please come watch you teach? I, I'm always like, wow, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean, bring I'm it on, bring very, it on. Very, all so, day, um, every day. <laughs> there have been some days where we've had three or four um, college ob observers and, and my students are accustomed to that, but ask. It's okay. I mean, like, just ask and be willing to, um, you know, I'll say, uh, we only have a 20-minute lunch, so bring a sack lunch and just eat with us, and, and right. we can ask more questions. So um, if you're a college student, uh, don't just uh, go to the school. And like, you, sometimes you have to go to these or do these kind of hours. Call. People aren't, aren't going to say no unless it's something. Take a road trip to Roma. Yeah, yeah. Go, go it, take a road trip. <laughs> it is a road. You might want to take a plane. That's a flight. That's not no road trip. That's, that's exactly right. Uh, first of all, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> we need two sack lunches. Right, <laughs> two sack lunches. Uh, but on a, to, to kind of keep it going here, we've talked about a lot about getting a mentor and finding somebody to you know come look at our come listen to your bands and things. What if you're in a situation where you can't afford to to bring somebody in? Well, that's the beauty of what we're in now. Like, right. there's right. there's no there's at this this stage of the game, there's no excuse. If you want help, you can get help. Right. Record yourself, and not only send it to somebody else, but listen to it for yourself <laughs> so that you can hear it before you send it out to somebody. Because you may think I remember, and I talk about this all the time. The first time I recorded my band. I was so proud of myself. I got my little device and I'm like, I'm first chair band director. And I recorded it and we listened. We, I thought it was so wonderful. And then I put it in the car and I drove home and I cried the whole way because that was 
it was horrendous. It was not anything that I thought it was because you can't catch everything from the podium. So if you're kind of like flying by the seat of your pants every day and thinking you're hearing one thing and then yeah. the kids are hearing something, like how are you ever going to fix anything? Um, I, I do want to go and give up one bit of caution though. You can have too many people on a project and you can ask for too many people's advices because while we all do have a common goal, we all have different ways of getting there. That's correct. We all have different tone concepts. We all value different things too. Um, I'm not saying that you shouldn't get a variety of opinions, but you can inundate yourself to the point where it's more harmful than it is good because you are like, what do I do? Um, but if you want people to help you and like, I'm a prime example. I am forever away from the rest of society. Like I don't have a established clinician. So I'll usually get one person to come in January and that's it. Um, because that's one logistically, all the things that can really happen. And two, it takes a lot of money to fly places sometimes too, but we sold our chocolate. <laughs> we, we earned some money and we got uh, enough money for those people to get here, but either fundraise and make it happen figure out a way to allocate some more funds to make it happen, but record yourself, put it on Dropbox and go for it. Cause you can get instantaneous results from that too. Uh, while we're, uh, I'm going to let you go in just a second, Chris, uh, start dropping questions in the chat. If you have a question that you want to ask, put it in the chat. I can't <laughs> promise we're going to get to everything, but <laughs> we have an army of people and only three people to answer for four people to answer. So, Drop your questions, and we're going to do our best to try to uh, address them. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, I was going to say uh, on this on this topic, you know, don't, don't be afraid to reach out to your your state conventions too, because like in Texas, you know, we we have the Phi Beta Mu uh, network where they can where there's they're able to come in and do some clinics like that, and also just reach out to people. Like I think the big thing we talked about mentors is just reach out because I, I I I don't I mean I would not if someone called me and said. I would like for you to come help, but I, but, but we have, we have funding issue. I'll go, okay, well, I'll help you. Like it's, it takes a lot just to ask, you know? And so, you know, I don't mind helping people. And I, I, I can say the, the people that are here and the people that I know, that people want to help each other. That's the really neat thing about the profession is that we all want to help. We're all out after the same goal is to help kids. And so, um, you know, I would just urge you guys just to reach out, you know, if, if money is an issue, you know, first of all, maybe talk to your, your, your local administration and see if there may be funding available that you may not know is available. Um, you know, you know, maybe there's allocation of money you can work with. But if there is something, you know, reach out and ask and, and also look at your state organizations because there may be ways for you to get, you know, clinician help and things like that um, that maybe you hadn't thought of before, you know. And so I, I, would, I would just urge you just to find as many avenues as you could for that. Yeah. Right on. We're going to, I see a lot of folks asking about the objective sheet. I'm uh, trying to find one. I'll drop one in here in a second. I'm, I'm about to drop a couple. There's a million ways to do them. There's a million ways. So I have two. And then hopefully by that time, we might be able to have a couple more examples. Um, let's see. We can screen share real quick. Um, so this is just one example. Like I said, it's not the only way. This is one example of a, of a objective sheet. Uh, this is for the third band at our school that we did this past year. Um, and it's important that kids can get credit for, for even trying on this. So if you see in the, where my cursor is, it talks about a pass is a 100 and a try is 50. So if they attempt it, they get credit for it. 
um, and they can try it as many times as they want. So you see their major grades, uh, which is like a test, minor grades, which is your quiz grades, and then your other grades, um, uh, excuse me, yeah, uh, which are like your homework grades, right? And then on the back of this objective sheet, I had some music theory stuff happening. Um, so that's one example of what an objective sheet looks like. Um, and then one more before we go on is this is a, at a different high school uh, or a different school. Uh, this is for scales, right? So major scale, scales and thirds, concert music. So there's a lot of different things that can be used for this. I think this is a vocabulary thing because I'm going to be honest, I had no idea what an elective sheet, I mean, an objective sheet was. We call it an exit ticket. Um, so I was like, oh, that's an exit ticket. Um, so I, that's cool. I, that is really cool. Again, systems and procedures. Yeah, and for with those, as we do. Uh, hey, uh, I just sent one in the group chat. Um, for us, We'll have students that have to uh, play off and pass off the different ex ex objectives and things like that. And the kids get as many times as they want. Uh, we have, a, uh, with the older kids at the junior high, there's a, a rubric that we have that's basically, it's a, you know, it's, it's 100, an 80, and a 60. It's like you can, you kind of can, or you can't. And they can do it again if they want to, but they just understand that there's, you know, there's certain vocabulary that, you know, if you can execute this at this level, you get this grade. And then they know in a, within a nine weeks, for instance, the first nine weeks and we're working on mostly all region music and things like that. They know that they have to do certain things within that first nine weeks. And it's, they get one of those three grades um, along the way, you know? And so, so, you know, it's the same kind of concept. We, we just, we just do it a different way with, with pass offs and things like that, where they play it, you know, they play it off a little different, but it's the same stuff we do. All right. So we've got a couple, a ton of questions here. I'm going to try to, to get it what's most, uh, what a consensus is as far as questions go. Uh, this is from Christina Hernandez. How do you go about creating a new culture when following a retiring teacher who was there for several years? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> 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 oh, I That's hard, but yeah, I'll give you a to someone else. Go ahead. I mean, patience is the number one thing, but here, here's the biggest question on that, or the biggest answer do does the uh does the administration and the community think that the culture needs to change and if they don't then then you got to go just step by step on the definition of what the, your vision and your new success is because a lot of times uh status quo or whatever the situation um it no one thinks there's anything wrong with that. That's They're playing correct. jingle bells at the, at the Christmas or winter concert and, and doing the parade or what, you know, I'm just, they're, they're doing this, the things bands are supposed to do. So that's the, I think that's the number one thing. If you're going into that situation, you have to figure, figure out, did, did the parents and administration and the community think that anything needs to change? Cause if they don't and you come in there all blazing, not going to go good. So this is like step by step by step by step. Yeah, I, I, with that, I, I, like I, what I would say is, if, if you if you're going in a situation like that where you feel like the culture needs to change for one reason, maybe maybe there's pressure from you know if you're a junior high feeding the high school or something like that. Maybe there's or if you're about junior high, you hire someone. Maybe there's some. So the first thing you need to do is is kind of take inventory about what's there, what works, what doesn't work, 
and where and like Susan was saying, like, does anybody think it needs to change? And the more importantly, do the important people in your life think it needs to change? The principal, the community, and all those people. If they think that it needs to change, then it's a lot easier. But if not, like Susan was saying, then you have to like like attack it one step at a time. And so, like for instance, if you're going to a place where like let's say you're a junior high director and the, and the high school person hires you to turn around a program. You, and, but like, let's say like your local administration is like, uh, well, everything's been going great here. I don't know what the problem is. You have to, you have to, you have to slowly eat away at all the little things and let some things go for just a little bit of time. And just, it's, it's kind of like playing the long game versus the short game. You can go in guns blazing and you can try to play the short game, but I guarantee you lasting effects won't take place. And so if you'll play the long game and, for instance, in that situation, you know, start educating parents and administration as to why this is great. And all that time, you're never talking poorly about anybody else. You're super professional. Everything is awesome that came before you, but this is just like the next level. It's just the next step. It's just the next thing. You're never, ever talking poorly about anybody, regardless of what your feelings may be. And that includes the staff, students, parents, everybody. You know, you can say whatever you want to at home, but like when you're at school in front of any, anybody, it's always everything was great. This is just the next step in the process. And so start with the local people that matter a lot. And then the next step is empowering the kids and going up to the like finding those influential kids, because we all know we have those kids. The influential kids that you know, you used to, like the thing I love to do is I love my listenings. I love sitting down with my kids for 15 minutes on the region music or their, their, their concert music, whatever solos as not only do I work with them on their music, I love talking to them as kids. Like I love sitting next to them. And I know that that's one thing that I'm really good at is like, I'm pretty effective in front of the group, but I'm real effective sitting next to the kid. And so like, I talk to them a lot. And when I was, when, when I've, taking over programs like I've sat down with them and built that rapport with the student and got the kids excited about like, Hey, what do you think about this? Go listen to this. Like, what do you think about this? And it kind of what you're doing is you're attacking it from the administration level, educating them. You're educating the parents because the coolest thing is if the parents come up to you and say, man, the band's sounding better, but you never have said anything about that. You want them to start figuring it out. And that's, what's cool. And then, and then the kids are like, well, we're practicing more. And I like sitting, you know, I like learning and, and, you know, and, you know, kids everywhere, every kids, all kids everywhere, like people that spend time with them. And there's no substitution for time. Time is the most important thing we have with kids and kids that, and people that spend more time with their kids to help them with something, those kids will show gratitude in, in either turning programs around like we want to, or just trying harder. And so I would just say, be patient, be kind to people and be understanding about it that it, Rome wasn't built in a day. You just have to be patient with it. Now, if, if everyone's on board and everyone thinks it should, everyone thinks it should change. So that's, that's a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Absolutely. We're going to see if we can squeeze one, maybe two more questions in before we hit the, the buzzer. Um, what are some examples? This is from Brittany Clark. Uh, what are some examples of follow through or consequences when students aren't engaging or preparing appropriately other than docking grades? Well, they, just, they lost their privilege. Go sit back there. You don't get to play with us. I'm sorry. We are way beyond that behavior. Go back there. And then hopefully you have another staff member that can make them sit down. I don't, 
like, you no, know, I'm not messing around with that. You, we have an established uh, decorum, established um, expectation. And that, they don't want that. They want to, they want to be in the group. You know, it takes, a while. it takes a while to, if you're in a place where I agree with you, Susan, because and, and some people can do that, you know, like, look, go over there and you're out of the mix. And then some places your administration won't allow you to do that. Um, so, but no, I'm not in one of those places, but <laughs> I know one of the things that we do is like, for instance, when kids come in tardy, for instance, you know, we have a, a timer that runs before um, the bell rings. The bell rings, that starts a one-minute timer. Um, and when I say the tardy bell, the tardy bell rings, kids have been coming in, starts a one-minute timer. So they have one minute after the tardy bell to get everything together to be where they're supposed to be. Now I'm in high school. In junior high, I established it just like they did. You know, we wait outside. We learn how to come in, and then it becomes a thing. But talking about now, when students come in late, I had one student recently that was notoriously late. He would walk in late every day, earbuds and, you know, AirPods, whatever, doing his thing. And you could tell he just didn't care. And so what I do is I literally have a, a second band set up. It's not big. It's right off to the side. It's not a band set up. It only creates itself when the students come in late. There's about three chairs over there and three stands. And they have to sit over there apart from the band when they're still there, they still have their binder. They still have everything they're supposed to have. I started this in junior high, but I do this in high school. I do this in high school. And we do this with every level of band in high school. And the higher level of band, it happened, It takes care of itself pretty quickly. The lower level of band, it didn't happen as quickly, but this, this kid and a couple others started to realize, wait a minute, I don't like being over here. I want to be over there. And every day that I come in, he's making me sit over here. I'm still playing my instrument. I still have to do everything that everyone else is doing. But I'm sitting off to the side and like another band. I've created this and it's not like, woohoo, cool place to be. It's like <laughs> no one's buying into what he's doing. Everyone's buying into what we're doing. And it became a thing where this kid all of a sudden started getting to his section first, you know? I'm not saying that's going to happen. It's not instant, but right. we did that with every level of band from band one down to band four. We did it with every level of band. Yeah. All right. So I'm, we're going to ask one more question before we get to 7:30. Um, but before we do that, I want to thank our clinicians. Everybody give a hand for our fabulous clinicians for doing this for us. Uh, <laughs> it was zero hesitation from any of them. It was absolutely. How can I help? It was, it was, so thank you guys and your wealth of knowledge is it's certainly enriching what I'm doing uh, and I'm learning a lot tonight um, secondly I want to thank all of you for being here if you're on Facebook uh, we've had about 60 folks on Facebook we have people in almost 30 different states we're in four different countries tonight so all of you that are here mm -hmm. folks thank you thank you thank you that's, that's amazing yay man <laughs> I hope that you guys are getting something out of this um, I, I certainly know that I am know that, uh, you know, I'm glad that we could have some positivity, uh, tonight. And, you know, with all this funkiness and not being able to teach our kids, like we're used to, uh, know that, you know, we have, we're definitely thinking about you. We're praying for you. Uh, organizations like FCM fellowship of the Christian musicians praying yes. for you guys. Um, so thank you again. Uh, let's wrap this thing up with one more question. If you want to keep dropping questions, you can. I'll try to compile them and distribute them somehow or another. Um, 
but keep dropping qu- oh 60 60 messages my okay all right here's the last question <laughs> hey, hey john yes, I'm, I'm cool to put our email addresses on here yeah. if anyone has to go so uh, okay i'll do that go john ask all right here we go cats cats and jammers how do you get students to buy in if the school district's culture is historically apathetic that's from scott thompson how do you get students to buy in if the school district's culture is historically apathetic? Okay, you're gonna have to be an edutainer. That's short and simple. Ooh. So you need to go, you're gonna have to restart and start it with fifth graders that are coming into your sixth grade band or whatever grade it is, be president at their campus, buy whatever new trend, Harry Potter, Fortnite, don't, uh, whatever it is, and you get out there and you sell the program. But would as as far as being at the actual school, because you're now getting kids that are unbiased, they don't know any different. The kids at the actual school, you need to be a squeaky wheel. And the squeaky wheel is the one that gets the oil. So you give every opportunity for a performance that you can. If it's five kids in the band, whatever, you sell it and you make it cool that they feel like this is something that is cool. And I know that's really intimidating. Like you've got so many people who are against the program, I guess, as the case could be. I've been there before. I know what that feels like. But if you have enough charisma to sell your program, yes. no one else is going to do it for you. You're going to have to get in the community, call parents, hey, can I get you to help this? And when parents feel like they're a part of something, they will do whatever they can for their child, no matter what. And so if you get parents talking about it in the community and you're getting other parents, well, such and such mom's doing this and I'm such and such mom's friend, Use that to your advantage. And then when the principal sees that type of community outreach, I think things like that, that's when it starts to change. That's really intimidating. That's a huge, huge uh, some obstacle to overcome, but it's not impossible. Use, use what you do have to your advantage and sell your program. Yeah, get those parents involved quick um, and let them be doing projects while you're teaching. And see the interaction and the kids working hard at that ooh, just comes right back around. <laughs> um, one thing I, I always think about it in my teaching with our kids is like, you know, um, it's the concept of like success breeds success. When the kids feel good, when the kids know that something's good, e- e- even if it's not where you want it to be. But remember, progress is more important than the end goal. Progress is all we can do. But success breeds success. And so little little victories and little successes along the way lead to bigger ones down the road. And once you have more success as you go, then the program starts to build on the momentum of the successes. And so just always remember, it may just start with something like a small, a small success in your mind, but that small success will start to multiply and it will start being noticed by the right people in the community. And then it will only get bigger from there. So just stay positive. And just remember that you know success breeds success always. Yeah, and you got to stay positive, it, it, even when it's not going your way. Corey, you said something about five people. You know, I remember having the opportunity to kind of change a culture, and and I said, look, we're going to go this way, and you know, even if there's only five of you left, you know, we're still going to go because I know you five are going to give it all that there is to give. And when those those people start to buy, those five start to buy in. And it, it just kind of creates its own momentum, like Chris was saying. And I have literally seen it happen. And I have seen a program change uh, almost overnight. We'll say over a year. But I have seen it. And, and it is amazing to see that it becomes a thing that even on the campus, people start to notice that things are different. 
and it, it, it just light starts to shine out of the thing instead of the, whether you, what did you say? It was like apathetic or whatever, you know, it just, things change. You have to be willing to, to stay the course, stay the course when you know what you're doing is right. Okay. Not, not just doing your own thing for your own reasons, but when you know what you're doing is right, stay the course. Yeah, it's man. This is. Woo, I'm ready to go teach Ben tomorrow. Let's go. Well, I'm ready, man. We can't do that because. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we can have percussion, social distance, six feet behind the trombones. We'll be fine. If you like what you heard, subscribe and check out our website, virtualbanddirectorconference.com. Thanks for joining us, and remember, there's no stealing in band when you give with an open hand.